Hey, a president. Can you believe it, right? Nope. Still can't. Still trying to figure it out. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Or survive it. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9 FM WLRI, on Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on 94.1 FM WGRN. In Palinville, New York on 102.9 FM WLPP. In Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF. We're also heard streaming coast to coast and around the globe on the internets every day on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker. All around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us today for another thrilling action-packed adventure. According to the latest report out today from the Electoral Integrity Project, an independent academic project based at uh, Harvard University and the University of Sydney in Australia, which focuses on the integrity of elections by comparing elections held in 158 countries from 2012 to 2016. Elections in the U.S. were once again found to be, quote, worst among Western democracy. That thanks to stuff like the influence of money in politics, negative campaigning, lousy media uh, coverage, voting systems that are vulnerable to manipulation, lack independent oversight, are different from state to state and county to county, and of course, due to persistent claims of massive voter fraud, fake news, and alleged Russian interference, which the group's 2017 uh, report out today says are all, quote, likely to further damage public confidence in the electoral process and faith in American democracy. Other than that, we're doing great. Along those lines, we've got some breaking news today concerning the special election primary in Georgia's 6th Congressional District for the U.S. House. That was uh, the, the primary was held last month. The runoff is coming up in June. Uh, we've got a new report by a nonpartisan election integrity organization in Georgia, which found that the computer tabulating uh, errors that halted the counting on election night last month for several hours. Uh, An analysis of what went wrong has now revealed uh, a number of what this group describes as, quote, critical security flaws in the state's 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting and computer tabulation system. I will have the author of that report from Voter GA on very shortly. In the meantime, today... 
in the uh, in the U.S. Senate, uh, Sally Yates, a 27-year career official at the Department of Justice through five different presidential administrations, testified before a Senate subcommittee on Monday about her concerns uh, that she shared with the White House uh, were given to the White House shortly after Donald Trump's inauguration that Trump's former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn lied to the White House about his conversation with a Russian diplomat concerning sanctions against Russia that were implemented by the Obama administration in response to those allegations that Russia interfered with last year's presidential election. The White House took no public action after being warned by Yates for uh, nearly three weeks in the Flynn matter. After being informed by her, uh, she was at the time the acting attorney general, uh, they took no action before finally uh, pushing him out three weeks, 18 days later, only after the information that Flynn had lied about his conversations with the Russian ambassador became public. And it became clear that he had therefore opened himself up to being blackmailed. Before Flynn was uh, fired, however, Sally Yates herself was fired by Donald Trump after she announced that she was unable to defend the administration's Muslim travel ban that had barred refugees from Syria and immigrants from seven different Muslim uh, majority nations because she was unconvinced that the executive order that Trump had uh, had issued at the time was lawful or constitutional. Desi Doyen, didn't we have a, a, an historical uh, moment known as the Nuremberg trials <laughs> when uh, when we, we held that not we held Nazis accountable? Yes. For... Just following orders exactly. is not an excuse. Is not a justified excuse N- to use. Not when it's an illegal order. And in this case, Several courts have found since several federal courts have have agreed essentially with Yates's concerns about the legality and constitutionality. Yes, she was confirmed by those courts. They agreed with her. Essentially, they did. Uh, and uh, and and they had barred those travel bans. Two of them now um, have been blocked by the courts, at least for the moment. In any event, during today's Senate hearings, uh, which are still ongoing as we go to air right now, uh, at least one thing was made clear. David Korn of Mother Jones noted that the White House did not act when told that their national security advisor was compromised by Russia, or at least potentially compromised by the Russians. Now, that's aside from whether whatever you think about uh, what what Russia did or didn't do in the election, or at least it should be. Flynn had a conversation with a Russian diplomat that he did not tell the truth about, at least according to the uh, uh, to, to the White House account of what happened. Specifically, he is said to have lied to the vice president, who then went out and cited that misleading information to the public. Again, that made Flynn open to compromise or blackmail, and Yates warned the White House about it, but the White House took no action. Instead, they fired her, and then finally, some three weeks later, uh, they fired Flynn uh, after his lie became public, uh, and they finally released him as National Security Advisor, the guy who is responsible for overseeing all of the nation's intelligence and putting it together for the President of the United States. So once again, I'm pointing this out. No matter what you feel about what happened in last year's elections, what the Russians did or didn't do, what effect they had, there we know that the national security advisor, the guy with probably the top clearance for intelligence, certainly in the White House, 
had exposed himself to blackmail. And as uh, Sally Yates made clear today, uh, the Russians knew about this information as well. Here's a minute or two from her testimony. Would you tell the White House? Okay. So I told them again that there were a number of press accounts of statements that had been made by the Vice President and other high-ranking White House officials about General Flynn's conduct that we knew to be untrue. And we told them how we knew that this, how we had this information, how we had acquired it, and how we knew that it was untrue. And we walked the White House counsel, who also had an associate there with him, through General Flynn's underlying conduct, the contents of which I obviously cannot go through with you today because it's classified. We then walked through with Mr. McGahn essentially why we were telling them about this. The underlying conduct that General Flynn had engaged in was problematic in and of itself. Secondly, we told him we felt like the Vice President and others were entitled to know that the information that they were conveying to the American people wasn't true. And we wanted to make it really clear right out of the gate that we were not accusing Vice President Pence of knowingly providing false information to the American people. And the third reason was is because we were concerned that the American people had been misled about the underlying conduct and what General Flynn had done. And additionally, that we weren't the only ones that knew all of this, that the Russians also knew about what General Flynn had done, and the Russians also knew that General Flynn had misled the Vice President and others, and that this was a problem because not only did we believe that the Russians knew this, but that they likely had proof of this information. And that created a compromise situation, a situation where the national security advisor essentially could be blackmailed by the Russians. Finally, we told them that we were giving them all of this information so that they could take action, the action that they deemed appropriate. And the action they deemed appropriate was to do nothing, apparently, for 18 days until uh, the... Uh, <laughs> until they were forced, until the information essentially leaked out about what happened, and they were forced to let Michael Flynn go. That was Sally Yates, the former acting attorney general, giving testimony on Monday in uh, the U.S. Senate Intelligence uh, a subcommittee with the U.S. Senate uh, Intelligence Committee. The Republicans on that committee were far more concerned, it seemed, about the, uh, the, the leaks uh, from the case than about the underlying concerns that the White House's top intelligence official had opened himself up to blackmail, uh, that the White House had been informed about it but had apparently done nothing about it until uh, publicly called out on it because of that leak from someone. We still don't know who's responsible for that leak. So that on that uh, testimony, as I say, is ongoing still as we go to air today. I know everyone else is talking about it. Uh, so we'll let others cover that today. As they zig, we will zag, so to speak, uh, once again, since those who uh, might oppose this administration are eventually going to have to take action at the voting booth. As you're watching this testimony, whatever you may think about it, you may want to take action at the voting booth one way or another. And Republicans are hard at work to keep that from happening, to keep you from being able to take that action, uh, unfortunately. Here's one example late Friday in Iowa. Iowa voters will soon need to show identification at the polls under a new law signed by Republican Governor Terry Branstad on Friday. 
That measure overhauls Iowa's election laws through a series of changes that Republicans say are needed to ensure the integrity of the process. This is how Des Moines Register reported it. To ensure integrity of the process and to prevent fraud, but which Democrats and others argue will suppress votes by creating barriers for the poor, elderly, people with disabilities and minorities. Who knows? Who knows who has it right? Republicans say one thing, Democrats say another, according to the Des Moines Register. This is uh, they, they quote the ACLU executive director saying that uh, Brandstand signed this outrageous voter suppression bill into law and tens of thousands of Iowa eligible voters will now be harmed. And then they quote, of course, uh, Governor Brandstad and his his new Republican secretary of state who has been pushing this legislation as saying it's it's needed to prevent fraud. Way down at the bottom of the article, the Des Moines Register uh, says the issue has frustrated Democrats who who note that instances of voter impersonation are exceedingly rare. After the November 2017 election, Iowa's election officials said there were they were aware of only a handful of improperly cast ballots. But they don't really go into the paper doesn't go into any other detail other than that. They do have a link to this uh, this handful of improperly cast ballots. And it's a report from AP. A report from AP that finds uh, this is from February of this year, finding that um Iowa's top election officials, a top election official who is pushing for a voter ID requirement that could make it harder for some to vote, has only been informed of 10 votes that were potentially improper out of nearly 1.6 million that were counted statewide in the November election last year. This is Iowa Secretary of State Paul Pate. He learned of a handful of cases of alleged double votes, votes cast by ineligible felons on Election Day uh, that were counted, a few of them, according to a summary of general election irregularities that was obtained by the AP under the open records law. And going through those uh, those those 10 instances, not one of them would be stopped by a photo ID restriction. They were, you know, instances of people double voting, not knowing that they weren't uh, allowed to vote in two different locations, uh, you know, two different states or felons who had voted. For example, one guy had uh, uh, had been a felon in another state where he was allowed to vote and then he moved to Iowa where they don't allow former felons to vote. Uh, most of these were were human error. The uh, the city's uh, public defender in this one case uh, in in Storm Lake found no skullduggery skull at all. He said uh, with any of these, and in fact, a group representing Iowa's 99 county auditors, the people who actually run elections, they all opposed Pate's plan, and yet. It was passed by the legislature last week. It was signed by the Republican governor. And the Des Moines Register couldn't figure out a way to inform its own readers, hey, there's no evidence for this. Nope, they couldn't. Uh, Here's one quote. Uh, There were no irregularities here. It worked exactly as it should. This was a uh, Fayette County Deputy Auditor Ruth Ann Kearney who said a felon's provisional ballot was not counted after further review. You had some cases where there were some former felons who had registered to vote on Election Day, as you were allowed to do in Iowa, um, but they had to vote provisionally. 
and their votes were flagged and their votes were not counted. The election, the, the system worked as it should. Fraud is not a problem in Iowa. And yet they're making it harder for uh, tens of thousands of people to vote now in uh, in Iowa. Tens of thousands of people who happen to lean Democratic, uh, who don't have a, a way to cast their vote or who don't have the type of ID that will now be required soon to vote in the state of Iowa. So that's just one example of people fighting like hell in this country to try to vote and people and others uh, fighting like hell to keep them from voting. And then there's the cases of people who actually do vote wondering if their votes were counted and counted accurately. And that's what happened in Georgia, uh, where a new study has found an all new and I thought we had found them all, all of the flaws in the uh, Diebold touchscreen systems that are used in uh, still used, shamefully used in Georgia. Well, a, uh, a group down in Georgia of election integrity folks took a look at what happened in that primary election in Georgia's 6th congressional district in April and has found n all new critical security flaws that in advance of the runoff election. Uh, for this U.S. House seat that's coming up in June. We will talk about that next on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Yeah, welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Last month we reported in some detail on the U.S. House special election in Georgia's sixth congressional district. That contest in a very Republican district uh, near Atlanta is being regarded as a key bellwether for the 2018 elections, and a record amount of money is now flowing into both the first-time Democratic candidate John Ossoff and now his Republican opponent in the June 20 runoff election, former Georgia Secretary of State Karen Handel. The first round of voting last month, the primary, featured some 18 different candidates, including a split field of Republicans, with the Democrat John Ossoff reportedly receiving more than 48 percent of the vote. Had Ossoff received more than 50 percent of the vote, he would have won the seat outright and avoided the upcoming runoff in June. Instead, he'll be running against Karen Handel, who uh, I believe she got about 18 or 19 percent of the vote, but she was the leading Republican candidate and the second place finisher, so she will run off against Ossoff in June. The uh, vacant House seat they're battling over had belonged to Congressman Tom Price, who is now Donald Trump's Secretary of Health and Human Services. Price had won that seat handily once again uh, last November. He had uh, served in the post for about 10 years. 
Uh, he won handily by some 20 points last November in a district that has long been held by Republicans, including former House Speaker Newt Gingrich, uh, dating all the way back to the 70s. But while Price won by 20 points, Trump barely eked out a win in that district last November. He won by just a little over one percentage point in the wealthy suburban district north of Atlanta. So Democrats see that seat as exceedingly vulnerable. Georgia votes at the polling place, however, on 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems. The state was one of the first in the nation to move to that uh, type of a system back in 2002, and they are one of the last states now in the union to still force all voters at the polling place to use 100% unverifiable systems. It is strictly impossible, as I have pointed out many times on this show and at bradblog.com, strictly impossible to know that any vote ever cast on the Diebold touchscreen systems that are still used in Georgia. Uh, Any of those votes, impossible to know if any of them has ever been recorded accurately as per a voter intent for any candidate or initiative on the ballot. Yet, Georgia keeps using them. And that became of even greater concern back in, uh, in March of this year when a massive data breach was discovered in the voter database at Kennesaw State University. Its election, uh, its Center for Elections is contracted to program all of Georgia's voting machines and electronic poll books. At the time, Republican Secretary of State there, uh, Brian Kemp, said there was no need to worry about that uh, hack at uh, Kennesaw State University. But computer scientists and voting machine experts at at VerifiedVoting.org and elsewhere had asked the Secretary of State to allow voters to use paper ballots for the important 6th District special election. He refused. And then uh, matters were made worse in, uh, in April, on election night, in the primary on April 18, after two of the three counties in the district, in the 6th District, uh, DeKalb and Cobb, had reported 100% of their precinct results. But the tabulation came to a complete halt for hours in Fulton County. That's the third county in this in the uh, sixth district and home of Republican candidate and former secretary of state Karen Handel. With Ossoff's reported percentage of the vote hovering just above 50 percent, which would have allowed him that outright win, the central computer tabulators in Fulton County suddenly reported an error and would not correctly process electronic memory cards from the touchscreen voting machines that were being uploaded from remote locations to it. Fulton's uh, reporting precincts were stuck at 16 percent for several hours. Remember, the other two had come in 100 percent, but Fulton had only come in 16 percent before uh, this problem was eventually found in Fulton County and corrected. It was described at the time that night on election night as a mysterious memory card error by officials. Once they discovered the faulty card in question, they said they were able to rerun the working cards and and Ossoff's total dropped from just above 50 percent down to uh, 48 percent or so, eventually settling at 48.3 percent leading to the June 20 runoff. 
So what really happened the night of that April 18th primary election that caused the computer tabulator error that stopped the tabulation of the 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems? Georgia Secretary of State Brian Kemp chalked the problem up to human error. Some supporters of the Democratic candidate John Ossoff, however, suspected foul play. So what really happened? Well, a new preliminary analysis of the root causes of the election night tabulation failures in Fulton County uh, was released last week. This new analysis from VoterGA.org, which is a nonpartisan election integrity watchdog group. And they cite a number of critical security flaws that were discovered in the central tabulation system as they did their analysis. That central tabulation system is a, a computer. Essentially, it's known as the Global Election Management System, or GEMS. And they discovered these flaws uh, as a result of their investigation into the incident. GEMS is used as a central tabulator computer for elections all over the country, not just in Georgia with its touchscreen uh, systems, but it's also used in other states, which use optically scanned paper ballots for tallying results. In those cases, the uh, electronic memory cards from the optical scanners are uploaded to GEMS in the same way. The analysis, according to Voter GA, revealed two critical security flaws and two serious security flaws that span Georgia's, uh, uh, Georgia, Georgia's servers, Georgia's uh, GEM servers in Fulton County and in all of its county, as well as its voting machines and electronic poll books. So how will those, uh, what, what are those critical security flaws and how will they affect the June 20 runoff, which, according to the latest polling out of Georgia, is essentially now at a dead heat between the two runoff candidates. And for that matter, might this same flaw affect other elections around the country in 2018 and other upcoming uh, special House elections and so forth? After all, hundreds, if not thousands of counties around the nation also use that GEMS central tabulation computer system. Here to explain the report, the security flaws and what we should or shouldn't be worried about is Garland Favorito. He's a career IT professional who, with his VoterGA.org co-founder, Ricardo Davis, uh, has some 70 years of total work experience in computer systems analysis, database administration, system integration, server administration, and multi-factor security. Favorito and Davis have also been involved in analysis and uh, implementation of Georgia's voting machines for many, many years, going back even prior to the statewide implementation of Georgia's 100% unverifiable D-Bold touchscreen systems back in 2002. Garland Favorito, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Brad, thank you so much for having me on. That was the most amazingly accurate recap of everything that's gone on in Georgia and the 6th District. <laughs> Uh, that I've ever heard. Are you sure you don't live in Georgia? <laughs> well, thank you, sir. I was going to ask you if I if I got anything right, if I missed anything uh, hugely critical there, but I'm glad to hear that I didn't. Uh, no, I don't l live in Georgia, although I'd love to, uh, except for the humidity, but that's another question. Uh, <laughs> listen, okay, at, at the heart of this, uh, your, your analysis, your root causes report, uh, in general, you, you find... 
uh, very serious, uh, at least, well, several very serious critical flaws in the uh, tabulation system, as I noted, uh, that are used in Georgia and a whole bunch of other places. Now, your analysis concluded that the GEM servers are vulnerable to fraud and critical error that can dramatically alter the results of an election. You stated that the GEMS databases at any county will accept invalid election data from a remote or local source and inject the invalid data into live election results for totaling and publishing. How did you come how did you come to find that and what actually happened on uh, that, that you have found on, on uh, the night of the April 18 election? Um, well, that's right, Brad. So uh, it, that's exactly the situation that we have here in Georgia. So the way this started was that um, the Fulton County um, uh, election, probably a poll worker, had accidentally put a memory card from one election that they were conducting on April 18th into the uh, tabulation uh, upload facility for the 6th District uh, election. Um, and that raised uh, several questions for us was to why, first of all, would they be conducting redu redundant elections on election night? But more importantly, as you said, Brad, the uh, system accepted the invalid memory cards both at the point of upload, which was done with an AccuVote TSX machine, mm -hmm. and at the point of the GEMS database server, which accepted the results and included them right into the live election results for the 6th District. And, and right. let, me let me try to make sure I understand what you're saying, because they had a, a separate election. There was a, a, another special election in a couple of these areas uh, somewhere in Fulton County. And instead of having the races on the same ballot, uh, because of some scheduling issues, they actually ran several different elections, one for the special house race uh, and another for a, a, a local uh, district uh, city council or something, as I recall. And yeah, that's exactly right, Brad, and that's unprecedented in Georgia history. We're actually we're running three separate databases and elections on the same night. So what that means, uh, if you, are t as a voter, and I'm right here in the 6th District and mm -hmm. Roswell in the middle of this whole controversy, but I, w I had to go in and vote uh, for the Roswell City Council race on one memory card. Mm -hmm. I had to check in twice, once for each race, sign two different sets of paper, go and vote, uh, take one memory card and vote on one set of machines for the Roswell runoff, then go back, give that card in, and get another card and go and vote on a different set of machines for the 6th District Congressional race. That so, happened in both Roswell and, and Johns Creek. So instead of uploading, instead of after the election, taking the memory card out of uh, each voting machine and just uploading the results for all of the races, instead, election officials in, uh, in Roswell, in this case, uh, had to take the cards out, upload it to the 6th District race, and then take the cards out from the other machines and upload those for the other race, the, the city council race, as a separate process. Yeah, that's exactly right, Brad, and they did that by taking those uh, cards to a collection site. Fulton is the largest and most populous county in, in Georgia. It stretches from the north side of Atlanta to the south, and there are three collection sites. So what they do is to take these cards, all the precinct workers, to their designated collection uh, site, and they upload them exactly as you described into the central warehouse gym server for Fulton County.
but they uh, took a, a card from one of the other races and uploaded it accidentally. I get, I presume, to the to the sixth uh, sixth district election, and the the machine that they were uploading from allowed that to happen. And then the central tabulator at the county warehouse accepted those invalid results from a totally different election into the 6th district election is that that's exactly right brad and and uh the way they have to do that is they can only have one election at a time because as you know most anybody uh anywhere who's conducting elections only has one election on election night and as you said all of the uh, races are on the same ballot in this case they were not and that is exactly what happened uh the card from one election accidentally got loaded uh into the card for the uh, the results for the sixth district election, and there was nothing built into the software, either in the machine that was doing the uploading or in the central gems tabulator that was receiving those results. There was nothing in either of those systems that said, "Hey, wait a minute, this is for an election that is, this is for a different election. This is not for the sixth district election. Uh, these these are results for a totally different election. Nothing prevented that from." happening the computer system did not set off bells and whistles that's exactly right brad uh so it's it's quite amazing that's why we were so uh, uh amazed with this it was a legitimate human error but as you said um the system should have caught that and, and being an, an it professional for literally 30 or 40 years as well as my co-founder ricardo um we found that to be almost amazing mm. uh, that was and we would consider those to be absolutely critical software flaws that there was no validation either on the upload at the collection site on the way through the Acuvir TSX or no adequacy uh, uh, criteria that was implemented at the database server so basically that scenario could play itself out again uh, almost any time now, does that mean, if I'm understanding this, Garland Favorito, that uh, someone could uh, upload an inappropriate memory card accidentally, as uh, you suggest happened in this case, or that a bad guy, if he wanted, he or she wanted to, could actually uh, figure out where to upload a memory card, put a bad memory card in there, put their uh, you know memory card that had whatever results they wanted, and upload it into the central server, and that would not be discovered by the software. Exactly, Brad, and that's the real concern uh, that that a, a bad guy could act, in fact. Uh, legitimately change the results of of an election through fraud, which which is kind of amazing uh, to me that they're still using these machines. I mean, I'm amazed anyway that they're still using these unverifiable machines, but that we're still finding these kind of critical security flaws. And I should say, I've spoken with some uh, some uh, computer scientists and voting machines experts uh, who have looked at your report, and they found. Uh, your explanation of what happened here to be plausible, but Georgia Secretary of State Brian Kemp, uh, his conclusion was that the uh, Fulton County, what happened in Fulton County, was was the fault of officials there. It was not the fault of the tabulation system. Uh, he says he's opened his own investigation, but that the uh, probe would be limited to the training of election officials. He said 
This is user error, not an equipment malfunction, and Fulton County officials are ultimately responsible for the error. We have opened a formal investigation, and we will continue to gather the facts to find out exactly why this failure in training and basic procedure occurred. In other words, he was saying there is nothing wrong with our voting system. This is uh, just election officials who screwed up. Uh, Garland, uh, your response to Secretary yes, Kemp's response. So, so that's classic, and I think that's one of the most important things to look at and how you see public officials uh, can cover up certain things. So in this case, Brian Kemp reached a conclusion before he had opened an investigation. He then opened an investigation to support his conclusion, but more importantly, he set the scope of the investigation so that it would never investigate the critical things that actually occurred on election night. And this is a classic way that uh, politicians and particularly people who are responsible, such as attorney generals, for investigating these types of things, this is a classic way that they cover up their tracks by uh, making a conclusion, setting an investigation, and making the scope never investigate what actually occurred. Have uh, has the Secretary of State's office responded yet to your uh, to your preliminary analysis? I know you just released it late last week. Have you heard anything back from the Secretary's office? Uh, not yet. We're still waiting for them to respond to the uh, offer by 20 computer experts to help move Georgia to verify voting. He has yet to respond to that, and of course he has, they have not responded to uh, uh, this, our, our study. And as I found out the other day that uh, through an open records request, they didn't uh, actually even assign any, anybody to, the, uh, to investigate it until after our report was complete. Even though the election was held back in mid-May, uh, I'm sorry, mid-April, and he said he would be investigating, nobody actually took the step to investigate it in the secretary's office. Not until May the second, when I when our report wow. was completed on May the first and May the second, we had, uh, we had uh, finished ours, and they had uh, yet to assign. Uh, an investigator until then. Wow. Uh, Garland Favorito from VoterGA.org. Sit tight. I need to take a quick break here. And I want when I come back, I want to ask you a bunch of uh, stuff. Amongst them, uh, your report says no f- evidence of fraud was actually found in this election. But does that mean there was no fraud? I'll ask Garland about that and much more straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the broadcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all 
or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. Georgia. Georgia. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. I'm speaking with Garland Favorito, co-founder with uh, Ricardo Davis of VoterGA.org about their report concerning the uh, the April 18th primary election for the uh, U.S. House uh, election, the special election that was run there uh, to fill the seat of Congressman Tom Price, who's now with the Trump administration, and uh, questions about the counting that took place that night, concerns about the counting that took place that night from Georgia's 100% unverifiable touchscreen systems where the GEMS tabulator, the central tabulator, failed in one of the counties at a crucial moment on April 18, leading to a runoff election coming up now in June, uh, June, on June 20. And will we see a lot of the same problems again? Will we have the same concerns about whether the uh, whether the tally will be accurate? Uh, Garland, the uh, the the voter GA preliminary analysis uh, says that it did not find evidence of fraud in the uh, April 18 elections, but it explains how fraud could uh, be uh, carried out undetectably. Are are you uh, are you certain that there was no fraud in that election? April 18 election? I know you're saying you didn't find any. Does that mean there was none? Well, it's only, well, you're right. It was a preliminary analysis. We're looking, uh, continuing to look at that. But it appears that this was a, a human error as near as, as we can tell. Um, and Assad did do uh, remarkably better than what uh, he was expected to do. Most of the uh, the results were expecting about 35, 40%. Mm-hmm. And he came in at 48, so in a heavy, heavy Republican district. So um, it appears that the results, once this human error was uh, explained by the elections director, it seems to be legitimate. And I've also been able to coordinate, uh, corroborate that with their top technical guy um, who on the server. And they both seem to be um, presenting an honest view of the facts. Now, just to be clear, because I often refer, uh, you know, to these types of voting systems as 100% unverifiable uh, t- touchscreen systems. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 to be clear, uh, you know, th- this my coverage of elections is essentially nonpartisan, and I, I know your uh, work at VoterGA.org is also uh, nonpartisan. Uh, you know, the Democrat here, uh, who you say did ended up doing better than expected, uh, just to to make my Republicans friends happy here. For all we know, the Democrat could have, or somebody who was in favor of the Democrat could have been committing fraud in this election on his behalf. Isn't the point here? Am I accurate when I say these are unverifiable uh, voting systems, and that really, ultimately, we don't know? If the results are accurate? Brad, absolutely. You're 100% plus accurate. Um, They are unverifiable. There is no way to detect whether or not fraud uh, really occurred. Uh, We just looked at it from the perspective of what information we have to work with. But as you pointed out and have pointed out for years, as we both have, that we do not have verifiable elections in Georgia. 
And uh, this is another example. When you have a controversy, you have no ballot of record to go back to to prove that the results were, in fact, accurate. There is no way to audit the vote in Georgia. I assume that uh, Karen Handel, the, as the former Secretary of State there uh, and the Republican candidate in the 6th District runoff coming up, I'll assume that she understands and knows the vulnerabilities of these particular voting systems and, and the GEMS tabulator very well. Uh, does, the, uh, does the Democratic Ossoff campaign understand these concerns? Have you been, is voter uh, GA in touch with the campaigns themselves about these concerns? Um, we're not directly uh, involved in either campaign, or we, we put our information out publicly where both of the campaigns can pick it up. Uh, but we are not uh, in touch with either campaign. And uh, to your point, Brad, I, I, as you said, I think that Karen Handel, as a former Secretary of State, is very aware of this. Um, she even didn't even ask for a runoff, uh, I'm sorry, for a recount mm-hmm. uh, when she lost a close governor's race uh, in, the pro- in the Republican primary. So she's aware. I do not think that the Ossoff campaign or the some of the Democrats in general, I don't think they're aware of the, uh, at least in the establishment, are aware about, of the magnitude of the problem. Now, the grassroots people on both sides are. They fully understand the issue, both in the Republicans and the Democrats. But it's the establishment uh, that doesn't uh, either want to get it uh, or either they uh, just don't, don't get it. Uh, will the uh, I, I, well, I guess it goes without saying at this point that the the same systems are now going to be used in the June twentieth election. You mentioned uh, that Kemp did not respond to the uh, twenty or so computer scientists from Verified Voting and elsewhere who had asked him prior to the primary to allow voters to vote on paper. So, uh, are, I guess this this we're gonna. Use these same 100% unverifiable systems uh, on on June 20th. Are you confident that the uh, the same problems that they had in uh, in April uh, and this vulnerability that now you've shown? Uh, are you confident that that problem won't occur on June 20 at this point? Well, there's that's a two part question. Um, the problem won't occur again because they're not conducting redundant elections on the same. Day and right. June twentieth. However, the security flaw is still there, and the bigger concern is that this security flaw that's known can be exploited on at any of one of the three counties, mm-hmm. and uh, it could in fact change the results on election night. On uh, election night on June twenty, uh, I think there's just one. Well, you'll you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but in in the runoff. Will there just be one contest on the ballot for uh, for the 6th District? Are these other elections ongoing, or is that it, just the one uh, U.S. House race? Um, to my knowledge, it will be a standalone race on June 20th. There were a couple of other runoffs. They're going to be conducted earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, Cobb, for example, has a runoff in May. Uh based on their Senate district race that went to runoff um, on April 18th. But as to my knowledge, there is no other election being held in either one of the three counties on June the 20th. And so 
With just one race on the ballot, and we know there are paper ballots that do exist in Georgia, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that there are some uh, absentee mail-in ballots, so we know they uh, they exist. In this case, if voters were to use paper at the polls, uh, you've got one race that, to my mind, uh, I mean, obviously they can be optically scanned as well because comp- uh, Georgia has those facilities for those mail-in ballots, but you got one race. Couldn't we just... Put the ballots in two separate piles, uh, one for Ossoff and one for Handel, and count Absolutely, this thing by Brad, hand? And that's, that's the irony of this whole thing. You could actually conduct this race uh, or on election night and report the results by paper, by hand, faster than you could lugging all of those expensive, unverifiable machines to all the different precincts and then going through the same uh, upload process again just for this one race. It would be faster and cheaper to do it, as you described, by paper ballot. So that's the irony of the whole situation. It, it sure, it, it sure is. It's uh, it, and it's maddening. It's a maddening irony, frankly, uh, Garland. Uh, would you recommend that voters? I, I don't know how the absentee voting uh, uh, process, the mail-in absentee voting process, works in uh, in Georgia. But would you? Uh, would you recommend that voters vote by absentee uh, mail-in instead of these uh, touchscreen voting machines? Which yes, absolutely, Brad. Um, as you said, we do have optical scanners, and all of the counties have enough uh, optical scanners. Since this is only one race, they could put an optical scanner in every precinct in the 6th District. That would not be a problem. We do have, uh, we could scan those ballots up right there um, without any, any problem whatsoever. So we, we do uh, recommend mail-in ballots because you do have a, an official uh, ballot of record, that, and you can make a copy of it before you mail it back in. And we are going to be publishing procedures in the next few days as to exactly how to get a mail-in ballot and return that through the normal absentee ballot um, functions that are already set up in Georgia. Does uh, does Georgia allow for uh, no excuse absentee? In other words, you can anyone can re- uh, request a, a paper absentee ballot? That's exactly right, Brad. Yes, they, yes we do. Okay, well that's good news. So uh, we would recommend anyone in the 6th district to ask for a, 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 a I know you said you'll come out with procedures uh, that people can check at voterga.org, but uh, can they go to their uh, county headquarters and request one? Do they have to mail in a request? How does that work? Yes, that's exactly right, Brad. You you um you will mail in a request and they will uh, actually you can fax it in. You don't even have to mail it in. You can download the request from the Secretary of State's website, mm-hmm. um, and they have a request form for every county. I think the form is the same. And they'll give you the fax number of where to fax that request in, so you don't have to mail it in. You can fax it in, and then you'll get the ballot, and you can vote at home by mail and just uh, return that ballot. And you can also, uh, I know out here in California, you can bring those paper ballots into the precinct on Election Day. Is that allowable? I, I, I have more confidence uh, bringing it in uh, to the precinct in person myself than I do dropping it in a mailbox. Uh, is that allowable in Georgia? Um, Brad, that is a great question. Um, I believe it is. We normally return it 
uh, ahead of time, which, as you are alluding to, there could be a security risk there. Um, I, I'm going to have to double-check, but I believe that you can return it to the precinct, but I'd have to check to make sure. Okay, so, uh, and, and we'll stay in touch with you, Garland, as we get closer. We still have... Uh, uh, well, where are we? A, a month or two uh, before this runoff actually uh, takes place. And in that regard, we got some good news late last week uh, from a federal court. Um, Brad Blog's legal analyst Ernie Canning wrote a little bit about it on Friday at Bradblog.com. A federal judge has ordered Georgia to reopen voter registration for the runoff election. Essentially, if I understand this correctly, uh, Secretary of State Brian Kemp was arguing that uh, if you hadn't registered prior to the primary race in April, April 18, then you would not allow be allowed to register and vote uh, before the June 20 runoff. In other words, you'd have to be registered three months in advance. His argument was the June 20th uh, runoff was part of the same election. Therefore, he didn't have to allow people to continue registering. Do I understand that correctly? Because the federal court has now lifted that and said, yes, people can register up to, I think, uh, 30 days prior to the June 20 election. Yeah, that's exactly right, Brad, but it's even worse than what you thought because it's, it's actually been shut down since March 21st when the original race was, was uh, conducted. There was a runoff, you remember, in mm-hmm. Roswell on April 18th. Right. So the, the registration has actually been closed since March the 21st. Um, so, but now that has been opened due to the federal law has said, no, you, you can't uh, keep people from registering uh, up till 30 days prior to the election. That's exactly right, Brad. So you've got uh, up to um, 30 days from June the 20th. So that would put us uh, somewhere around May the 21st, I believe. Uh, you can register up and you have a couple more weeks to register. If you haven't registered already. One last question, Garland Favorito, and uh, your your information is so helpful. And your uh, by the way, your 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 report was just so well written and so clear and so smart. Uh, it, it's greatly appreciated. At the end of that report, you have an appendix, uh, a history of Georgia vote counting discrepancies, and uh, you cite uh, in Cobb County, which is one of the uh, one of the three counties in this sixth district, back in two thousand and five. Uh, this is a local uh, sales tax, essentially, a referendum that was on the ballot. This appeared to be headed for defeat back in 2005. Uh, but uh, election problems back then uh, in 2005 halted the counting, not unlike what we saw uh, in April in the uh, special house race. Um, and, and when the errors had been addressed, the tax was declared to have been passed by 114 votes even though there were 285 blank voted ballots and the tax was the only contest on the ballot. Does, are, does that mean that people went to this special election, voted uh, in an election that had one thing on the ballot, but voted for not, not in favor or against the sales tax? That's what Kennesaw State tried to tell us when we asked, uh, and you know, what, how, how could that have possibly happened? Why would voters take the time to drive to the polls, stand in line, because it was a pretty uh, a hot issue, mm-hmm. 
um, and then go in, get the sign in, get their memory card, and go up into the voting booth, put their card in, and then decide not to cast their ballot after they got in there. Um, that that's just hard to believe. Uh, in fact, it's it's just unbelievable. It is somewhat impossible to believe, but it underscores the problem that I continue to point out, and I know you do as well at VoterGA.org, of these 100% unverifiable voting systems. We will never know if these uh, people uh, in Georgia, strange people perhaps, would go and, and, and not vote for anybody. I mean, not vote for, you know, the one thing on the election that they lined up to vote for. But we can't know because it's an unverifiable system. Yeah, and Brad, just yeah. to add one thing to that, yeah. that ta- SPLOS tax uh, assessed approximately over a billion dollars of taxes uh, against the citizens of Cobb County as a result of those blank voted ballots, those mysterious ballots. Thank you for pointing that out, because I try to point out how important, you know, elections are. And I think people get caught up in the in the partisan nature of elections. You know, there when when their candidate wins, the election system were great when theirs uh, loses. They're concerned it's because of problems in the election system. But these things, there is a lot of money on the line here, even in a nonpartisan tax election like you refer to here, billions of dollars. And so anyone who thinks, oh, it wouldn't be worth it to try to game the system, uh, well, it's going to be worth it to somebody because there are billions of dollars on the line for even these, you know, a a, a small local special sales tax election. Uh, Exactly, Brad. And that same scenario repeated itself again in 2011 with different numbers, almost identically, in the same county. And yet Georgia... And yet she persists. Georgia continues to use these uh, these voting uh, machines. And I, you and I continue to drive everyone crazy about it. Uh, and, and people are surprised when this when this happens. Uh, not you. I know you've been covering it for uh, many, many years now. Thank you for that, Garland. Thank you for continuing to stay on this. And uh, please stay in touch with us. Uh, hopefully we'll we'll talk to you again before uh, before we get to the June 20 election and. And thereafter, if uh, everything goes south, as and, I suspect. And, and Brad, thank you for all that you're doing, because it's your, your reporting that keeps the pressure on the officials in the state of Georgia and every other state around the country. So thank you so much. I love what you're doing, and it's been an honor to be on your show. You're very kind to say so. Garland Favorito, thank you, sir. Co-founder of VoterGA.org. You can find their preliminary analysis of these serious uh, critical security flaws uh, at that site. I'll also link to them from Bradblog.com, and uh, we will be talking to you soon, Garland. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brad. You bet. Okay, running very late, so I'm getting out. My thanks to our producer, unbelievable, our producer, uh, Desi Doyen, my guest, Garland Favorito of VoterGA.org, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, please download it at bradblog.com for free. My great thanks to those of you who helped keep us going by uh, stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. You can drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And you can find, follow, and please share us far and wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at The Brad Blog. All right, that's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.